0: Welcome, everyone, to another edition of the Pennsburg Podcast. I am your host, Garrett Bahana, joined alongside Hooks Orpik himself. Hooks, how are you doing this evening?
1: Doing great. Welcome, everybody. Episode 27 of the podcast, and as we start out our pods now, we will name the best player to ever wear that in a Penguins jersey. And for me, the choice is clear. If you're my age, around your mid-30s, number 27 means one person in particular, the very talented Alexei Kovalev.
0: Alexei Kovalev is certainly, uh, like you said, Jim described it perfectly. One of the star players from the from the '90s era Penguins teams. After you know they had had success in the early '90s with the Stanley Cup, uh, and as you know, they they fell into a little bit of hardships uh, during the mid to later later half of the '90s. Uh, my pick for number twenty seven is Eddie Olczyk, a, a bit of a wild card, unknown, if you will, for jersey selection number 27 for episode number 27 but Eddie O before, coming co- before becoming coach of the Penguins did play parts of two seasons I believe between 1996 and 1998 with the Penguins so that is my pick for number 27 very fun very out of left field pick for number 27 in Pittsburgh Penguins history Jim we have a little bit to talk about over the course of this episode of the podcast we'll dive straight into it Uh, And the the, the biggest app, the the biggest key, the the biggest news piece, I guess we can talk about is the absence of of Patrick Hornquist. And uh, we now know that Mike Sullivan has declared him out longer term with a lower body injury, as it has since been confirmed. So uh, I'll hand the floor over to you, Jim. Uh, Patrick Hornquist, his absence is something that really can't be replaced too easily. You know, we know we figure Patrick Hornquist being this guy, this this guy in front of the net who makes goalies' lives uh, a living hell. So with Patrick Hornquist's absence, and really with all of the other injuries that the Penguins have sustained, uh, what do you make of Hornquist's absence longer term, and uh, where do you think the Penguins go from here?
1: It's very disappointing that Hornquist has gone down, and more than that, I think you look at the way it happened, which just leaves a foul taste in everyone's mouth, and I'm sure it's very frustrating for all parties that this happens at a practice, just kind of a routine, normal type of in-season practice where Brian Russ got hurt in a game-day skate a few days earlier before the Columbus game last week, which is almost unheard of because a game-day skate, first of all, the Penguins barely even have those anymore. Mike Sullivan has de-emphasized them. He doesn't think that they give them much value. But last week they were going on the road, so they wanted to just get a skate in. And what do you know, somehow, some way, Brian Rust ends up getting hurt, which, you know, is is almost unheard of that a player does that. And so for him to get hurt in a non-game situation, and then a few days later, Patrick Hornquist to go down as well, that's a real big blow to the wing position. And that's going to really, that's going to test the pens. They need, there's no doubt about it, they're going to need Alex Galchenyuk to step up. They've promoted him to the second line, almost by default, because they have no one else healthy right now at wing to really step it up. So. This could be a go time for Galchenyuk, kind of a now or never. If he's going to do anything with the Penguins franchise, you would have to think that he's not going to get a better opportunity to play than this. Uh, We're into December now, and he scored one goal and not looked very good at times on the ice. So I think that's a guy that they're counting on because they pretty much have no one else. that They really need Galchenyuk to step up and do something. And then um, the guy that they caught up and signed, Stefan Nason from the Miners, scored 11 goals in 11 games to start the season in Wilkes-Barre he's on fire he's still fairly young he's a former first round pick but at the same time he played like garbage last year with the New Jersey Devils and that's the reason why he signed as an AHL level player over the summer because no one wanted to sign him for the NHL so I don't really have that high of hopes up for Stefan Nason like hopefully he can add something but anything you get out of him is going to be a bonus until Brian Rust can come back and apparently Rust is a is day-to-day with that injury so hopefully he won't be out for too many more games but yeah it's going to be a big loss as always to lose Hornquist you lose that net front guy for the power play you you lose that extra energy emotion that he brings to the table and they're definitely going to miss that there's no doubt about it and it's just this cosmic force of, of injuries that never seems to end and we haven't even mentioned Brian Dumlin with his ankle getting cut in a game on a weird play and hey at least that happened in a game but yeah just every every time you turn around every time you look up it seems like the Penguins are finding new and unfortunate ways to have key players get hurt so that's frustrating that's tough times right now but that's where we are
0: I don't know if you got a chance to 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 scroll Twitter. There was a tweet. It was a little bit of a thread by the Athletics Jesse Marshall, and uh, he was having a conversation. He was, I think, he was trying to figure out why the Penguins have been so cursed when it comes to this injury situation. And I, I found it kind of entertaining, kind of sad, and scary at the same time. I don't know if you got a chance to see what I'm talking about, but he brought up the fact that uh, PPG Paints Arena. Is on the site of an old hospital, and apparently this old hospital also had an insane asylum. And I believe Jesse said in one of his tweets that this insane asylum is right where Center Ice would be for PP, where PPG Paints Arena stands now. So,
1: yeah, and apparently the morgue is like in the locker room or something. I don't, I don't even know if that's true, but yeah, I saw that. That was amusing, if nothing else. But yeah, there certainly was a hospital there.
0: I guess if you want to find a way to pinpoint how this injury curse comes about and and seemingly why none of the penguins can stay healthy. This, this, I I guess you're not going to find a better explanation than, than playing your NHL games on the site uh, of an old hospital. But nevertheless, Jim, like you said, you described the two players that I wanted to talk about perfectly. And, you know, we've talked at length uh, regarding Alex Galchenyuk on the podcast before you know whether or not he has enough to produce to stay in Pittsburgh longer term since he's a free agent at the end of the season and you also brought up Stefan Nason as another player who they're probably projecting to play in the top 6 you would think with so many guys down like you said he he's been on fire at the AHL level and i believe you even put out a post at, on pensburgh.com uh, detailing Nason's call up and what he may be able to bring to the table Uh, But, you know, he averaged a point per game while he was down in the AHL, 22 points in 22 games, 14 goals in 22 games. Uh, So I think he has a little bit of a spark. He might have a little bit of a pedigree, but you hit the nail right on the head. This first round pedigree hasn't really been able to translate, and he really hasn't been able to stick with an NHL roster uh, really over the course of one full season, so is Stephon Nason going to be just, just, just another body, just another placeholder, like you said, until Brian Rust gets back. It looks that way. If you were trying to, um, trying to decipher what Mike Sullivan is going to do with these lineups, you know, Stephon Nason really hasn't, like you said, produced at a high quality over a long stretch of time at the NHL level. So I guess you plugging AHL guys in there, Mike Sullivan plugging AHL bodies in there, and hoping for the best results. And Jim, that'll lead me to my next point. If you're Jim Rutherford and you're looking at this roster and you're looking at how many players have gone down over the course of this season, and we're I don't even I don't even think Jim we're at the halfway point of the NHL season. I think we just passed the quarter mark not too long ago. But if you're Jim Rutherford looking at your roster, and I believe you've only had a full, healthy roster with your projected opening night lineup from the beginning of October at the end of training camp, you've only had them for, what, one game, I think, at most. So, Jim, do you think Jim Rutherford has a sense of urgency or desperation to maybe look at the trade market or maybe go into free agency and see if he can maybe maybe scoop someone on a, on a t- team-friendly, term-friendly contract? that might be able to produce better than your standard AHL guy?
1: He might, because to your point, like the, they haven't had the full team at, team at full health yet, but you look, Dumlin's out another eight weeks due to his surgery. I think Nick Bukestad's going to be out another six or seven weeks. Sidney Crosby's probably out another three to four weeks at least. So it's not like they're going to have their team anytime soon or even close to it. So he can't really afford to wait six, seven, eight weeks for all these guys to get back, and who knows what might happen by then as far as future things. So, yeah, it's, uh, I think they were fine at first, this first wave of injuries that hit when guys like Malkin and Rust and Hornquist and all of them and Latang even went down earlier in the season. They said, all right, we'll ride it out. We'll see what happens. And even up to, I think, like mid, mid-November, you can probably think that. But like you said, we passed the quarter point of the season the Penguins now are in fifth place on as of Wednesday in the division, which isn't, isn't that great. But they're kind of treading water, kind of trying to keep up. But they can't afford really to fall behind the pack. The Islanders have been good this year. The Philadelphia Flyers are on a five-game winning streak. Are they for real? I don't know. But they're five points ahead of the Penguins entering Wednesday. So that's real games you're going to have to make up. Carolina's right there they haven't played great this year but they're still right there with the Penguins and of those teams Islanders Philadelphia Carolina you probably want to end up past some of them beyond some of them so I mean if the Penguins lose another couple games in a row here in the in the next week or so I think Rutherford really has to consider making a move probably sooner than later because you don't want to end up losing touch with the pack or falling out because it's difficult as the NHL season gets deeper and deeper to make up ground on teams and catch up to them. So, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's a panic situation right now necessarily because you know, what can you do, especially with, with a run of injuries like this, you cannot prepare for that in a salary cap world. You just can't, I'm sorry. The Penguins have like upwards of $30 million now on their salary cap. That's on IR and then an $80 million cap world, just do the math. Like there's just too much talent right now that's on the shelf and, well, that's an excuse. I mean that's that's not a that's not gonna help them make up ground. So they have to do the best they can with what they've got. And right now that might mean making a trade by Christmas time before the holiday roster freeze if they need to if they feel like they're they they're going to need to be more competitive but you know if they can hang in like they were doing kind of when Crosby first went down and they're finding ways to take games to overtime or win games late or stuff like that and if they're finding ways to win points then they have the luxury of saying okay it buys us time because every day that goes by we're one day closer to getting Sidney Crosby back and you got to think think that's in mind too that they know some of these reinforcements are coming so if they can stay close enough then there's really no reason to do much at the moment
0: yeah i agree with you uh you described it perfectly i couldn't say it much better myself you just hope at this point that they can tread water for as long as possible and also you hope that no more bodies go down even even on injured reserve or for a game or two i mean the penguins if you're no offense to stefan nason but let's face the facts. He's a career AHL guy predominantly. If you're relying on a guy like Stefan Nason to round out your top six in almost the middle of December to win you critical games, like you said, you can't really, they're not going to use it. They're not, they're not going to use the injury bug as an excuse, but it's unfortunate that the, that the Penguins are in the, the metropolitan division, like you alluded to, with how many teams are finding success and like you said, these are games that they're going to have to make up. Will they have a, enough time come season's end if they're still chasing for points? Will they have enough time? Will they have enough manpower even to do that? It's going to be really interesting to see come Christmas time, New Year, when the projected time of Sidney Crosby's recovery ends. We'll see how many more players uh, either come off of injured reserve or finally, uh, finally iron out their their bumps and bruises and, and get closer to a full healthy roster that Jim Rutherford projected. At the beginning of the season, but Jim, we're going to move over to our mailbag segment now. Uh, for first-time listeners or longtime listeners who haven't submitted a mailbag question just yet, if you'd like to do so, you can do so on Twitter by following our Pensburg Podcast Twitter account at Pensburg Pod at Pensburg P O D. I'll send out a pen. Uh, I'll send out a tweet through the podcast account uh, every uh, about every Tuesday before uh, we record a new episode, asking for questions from our listeners. Uh, no topic is off the table. You can uh, ask us questions about wh- whatever whatever crosses your mind. So uh, I, I really like getting the involvement from the from the mailbag segment so far. Jim, you'll get first crack at answering our our first question here, and, and it's kind of a combined uh, question regarding the goaltenders that we have cold is back and commander kern both chime in with questions regarding matt murray's future as the number one goaltender and whether he's worth a big money contract that you assume he's going to be getting very shortly or whether tristan jari has played well enough in your eyes to see him take over that number one goalie spot
1: thanks for the questions guys um I think we need to see more and pump the brakes. Matt Murray had a very rough November. There's no doubt about that. And the stats bear it out. He was not very good. But I don't think that, you know, just one little rough patch is going to throw into question his whole future. So it's a long year still. We'll see what happens. Tristan Jari looks great, but he started a handful of games. So I'm not really, you know, thinking that they're going to be anywhere close to putting all their, eggs in his basket and trusting him to take this over so it's kind of an answer to punt but I think it's a truthful answer that let's let's give it some time let's see how the rest of the season unfolds I think that intentionally the Penguins were playing Matt Murray a lot early on in October and November just to see if his body could handle it if he if he could be that number one goalie he had that stretch at the end of last season of course from February on, really, where he's one of the top three or four goalies in the whole league as far as all his stats went. So I think they wanted to see if he could build on that. And obviously, it's kind of disappointing that he hasn't. But I don't really share the outrage that a lot of the the impatience of today that, you know, just because he isn't in good form now doesn't mean he can't find it. So I think we'll just say wait and see and let's see how it goes. Our next question comes to us from Tony Nakunin who asks, now, with so many injuries, let's take a deep dive into the AHL squad. Who is hot and how have the key players been doing? Also, is GMJR going after Hall or another big fish? How would he maneuver such a deal?
0: All right, Tony, we'll start with the the first question you asked regarding the injuries and looking at the AHL squad. And uh, look, I, I want to preface this uh, answer to the question by saying, odds are you're not going to find nine times out of ten you're not going to find guys like your Brian Rusts, your Jake Gensels, your Connor Sherrys. Um, you know, a lot of these guys that you've seen come up through wilkes Bear over the last couple of seasons and produce in bottom six, even top six roles on their way to the Stanley Cup success they found a couple of years ago. Uh, odds are you're really not going to find that on a regular or consistent basis uh, through your AHL players' And especially for a team like the Penguins, who have uh, so often given away first-round draft capital, and uh, haven't been able to develop players, at least uh, premier talent players, uh, through their through their uh, minor league system, and as a result, they've they've often you know tried to restock their cupboards, for lack of a better expression, with career minor league guys, you know, 13, 14, 15 kind of forwards those kinds of guys who can come in, come up uh, from the AHL in a pinch if you need them. If uh, one or two injury situations happen to occur throughout the season, I don't think what you're seeing now with the Penguins and how many injuries they're suffering. Uh, honestly, I don't think their their AHL depth has been tested like this in quite some time where you're relying on uh, several AHL players to come up and fill the void for extended periods of time. So They really don't have these premier prospects to look at. I'm looking at their stats right now. Uh, Andrew Agazino has 22 points through 21 games. We talked about Nason registering 22 points in in the 22 games he's played. Adam Johnson is another name that uh, some Wilkes-Barre Scranton fans have probably heard, 15 points in 14 games. There are a lot of younger players on the AHL squad that project to probably depth roles. I would say, Jim, I I think you would agree with me, your Kalen Addison's and your Sam Poulin's and your, um, who's the uh, third rounder that they drafted? How do you pronounce his last name? Legare?
1: legare yeah
0: (laughs) so you know those guys are probably at least two to three maybe four years off from making a real impact at the nhl level there aren't a lot of ahl guys who can come up here and give you a real shot in the arm especially when you're missing so many premier forwards uh your second question asks is jim whether jim rutherford is going after taylor hall or another big trade target and we talked about this a couple of weeks ago on the podcast, whether or not it was either feasible or whether it was likely that Jim Rutherford would go after Taylor Hall. Uh, it seems since our last episode that more and more has come out from Taylor Hall's camp, that it doesn't look like he's going to re-sign with the New Jersey Devils. And it looks more and more likely that his name will be out there uh, in terms of uh, what the Devils can get back for Hall in a trade Jim, I'll flip this over to you if you have any input you'd like to add to the discussion here. But I'll I'll say I'll say this in regard to a Taylor Hall trade: if the Penguins are going to make it, I think the least that Jim Rutherford is going to have to offer is a first-round pick and uh, maybe one, maybe two top-end quality prospects that they have. Um, the, the guys that I just mentioned: the Legare, Sam Poole, and who was drafted in the first round in this year's draft, Kalen Addison, the defenseman. You know, you might be looking at one, maybe two of those guys to throw in in addition with your first round pick. That's just how I perceive Taylor Hall's talent and what the the Devils might be asking for in return. Jim, I don't know if if you have anything to chime in here, whether or not, you know, you kind of have an idea of what the Devils would be asking for Taylor Hall in return.
1: Right. Well, it came out last week from Pierre Lebrun of The Athletic that the Devils were listening to what what other teams might be interested in giving. So they're obviously going to sell them off to the highest buyer, and the price for the pens would probably be even higher because Ray probably, even though it doesn't really matter, they probably don't want to deal Taylor Hall to a division team. And especially if, if they can find a way to re-sign him somehow, which I actually think the math kind of works out, but that's a different story. But yeah, I think you're right. If Pittsburgh wants to get in this there, I mean, next year's first round pick is an obvious, a lot of people are comparing this to the Matt G Shane trade from last year, who was also a high end rental and he fetched a conditional, a second conditional first round pick. If he were to re-sign with Columbus, which he didn't. So it might even be two future first round picks if, if they can get the same price as Matt Duchesne got, the second one being conditional, of course. And then, yeah, probably a high-end prospect like Sam Poulin or Kalen Addison. Then probably a roster player. The Penguins would probably have to trade Galchenyuk or Bukestad just to free up the money and make that work. And then Shara is probably pushing for uh, Tristan Jari to be involved too because goaltending is a huge weakness right now for the Devils, and that would be a help for them. So, yeah, the, the Pens would definitely have to pay a King's ransom for Taylor Hall whether or not that's worth it i don't know whether or not they'll want to meet that i guess we will see but if the devils now are listening I, i'm sure the penguins are going to at least see what it might take for them to be able to pull it off or if it's even a possibility because that's what they do
0: if there's one general manager jim who seems like this is his time to shine and I'm, we, we've alluded to this on earlier episodes of the podcast jim rutherford that gunslinger mentality that that, that trade and future future assets and future prospects be damned at the cost of winning and if you're looking at it from that mindset before we move on to the final question if you're looking at it from that mindset and you're Jim Rutherford and you're trying to max out the final productive years of the Crosby Malkin era i'm at first when jim when you floated taylor hall's name on the podcast a couple of weeks ago I was pretty against it, considering what the Penguins would probably have to give up. But the more and more that I I start to come around to it, and I start to look at Taylor Hall's value as a player in that top six, uh, the more and more that I probably would be for giving up these high-end prospects, these draft picks, to maximize what's left of the crosby Malkin era.
1: Right. And Jim Rutherford kind of has a couple of conflicting goals in mind for for what he's doing. Cause obviously I think everyone realizes the penguins next best chance to win the Stanley cup is this year in 2020. And each year that chance is going to go down just as the key players get a little older. And as the rest of the league catches up, if they haven't already passed them already. So yeah, the penguins need to do what they, they can do to try to win now because they won't have this good of an opportunity the following year or the following year. But at the same time, Rutherford doesn't want the pens to be terrible In four or five years when all this is over, which I know some people just say, oh, screw it. You might as well just go all in now, then get really bad when the cycle's over. But that's not how the pens are, are looking at it. And they still have to sell tickets, too. So they don't want to completely scrape all the talent away from From their young guys and their prospects and all that for the future. So he kind of has to balance these two different goals that he has in mind. But, yeah, it's my mindset. I mean, you're only going to have Crosby and Malkin like this for so many years In all these injuries. This year we've seen Latang got hurt. We've seen Crosby got hurt. We've seen Malkin got hurt. And the season's only a quarter over. So, I mean, I, I, I say really go for it too because Taylor Hall's a dynamic guy who can change the course of games. And you look at the Pens roster, even if they were healthy, stack them up against Boston or Washington or, you know, a high-end team like that. And they don't really tower over them like they used to. It it might be competitive at best. So I think the Pens could use all they have. And if it's a possibility, they owe it to themselves to at least really look into it. So we'll see.
0: Our final question comes from the username Deep Sense of Creeping Dread, and I, I want to give a shout out to uh, to you for that username. Uh, that pretty much encapsulates uh, what many Penguins fans are going through at the moment. But uh, they ask some media people, et cetera, et cetera, have suggested that the, that the Penguins injury bug might arise somewhat from their play style and or the age of some of the players who have been hurt. Do you buy into all of that, or is it just extremely bad luck so far?
1: I don't buy into that it's play style because I I don't see how they play any different or special from the rest of the league. I do think a lot of bad luck is in play just anytime. Like, like I mentioned earlier, Brian Russ gets hurt in, in a pregame skate. That's, that's almost unheard of. That's just a fluke. Patrick Hornquist gets hurt out of practice. How many practices do players make it through a year? So I think a lot of it's bad luck, but I do think that there is a point to the aging curve because you look at the guys who get injured I mean, Sidney Crosby's groin probably isn't ripping off the bone 10 years ago when he's a young man, and now he's older. You know, Evgeny Malkin and Chris Letang picked up weird injuries when they were younger, but you know, the older you get, just the more those things are just going to compile and contribute. And we've also seen that with a guy like Hornquist, who plays a very physical style, and you know, for whatever reason, even though I think some bad luck is involved, obviously, like the more miles you get on him, so to say, just is he's not going to get more healthy as the years go by. So, I do think it's there's age involved because if you look at the injuries of these players, it's pretty much their old guys that ha, that have been getting hurt unless it's a Brian Dumoulin situation where it's just pure bad luck that somebody skate cuts your ankles when you fall and nobody can really control that. So, that's why I think about that. What what's your take on that one, G?
0: Yeah, you you, you really there's one player that if you want to look at it from a uh, play style, the one player that you did mention was Patrick Hornquist. And we've known Patrick Hornquist to be uh, this, this kind of rugged rough and tumble guy. Who's going to take a beating in front of the net to get the goal. That's the one person that comes to mind on this current roster who, when I look at, when I examine the kind of play style, he, he's the one guy who I think injury lends itself to happen more frequently just because of how hard he plays. But, um, the aging factor too is another great point you brought up. Uh, it's just I think it's just human nature. Kenny uh, Malkin's 33, Sidney Crosby's 32, Chris Latang, I believe is 32. Patrick Hornquist is in his uh is getting into his mid 30s now too. So it, it's just a, a matter of these once you know relatively healthy, relatively young players are just aging, and I think it's it, it would it's bound to happen more frequently. So yeah, you basically summed it up uh, to a pretty pretty nice extent i will say though that uh, to to end this question the fact that uh, ppg paints arena did is still standing on what was st francis hospital uh i think there is something something has to be you know at the rate that the penguins are sustaining injuries jim something there has to be some weird weird mojo in that locker room or, or even in that entire building you can't sit there and tell me that the fact that they play games on what was once an old hospital with an insane asylum and a morgue i mean come on there there has to be there has to be some sort of connection there or maybe i'm just going crazy
1: what's going to drive us all crazy is the penguins have an older player who plays a physical style who takes beatings in front of the net who blocks a lot of shots and he never gets hurt, and that's Jack Johnson. So if that doesn't tell you kind of the, the sick cruelness of this whole thing, I, I don't know what will.
0: Hey, if uh, Jim Rutherford's looking to make a trade, uh, you, you might as well throw Jack Johnson's name out there and try and hype him up as a guy who's who's – always healthy and he's going to give you 110 percent and uh, he's going to block shots he's going to play the right way if jim rutherford like like we said earlier in the show if, he, if he's terrible. exactly exactly <laughs> maybe maybe a, a general manager in the league you know wants that durability and that veteran presence if jim rutherford gets to that point where he becomes desperate hey well what's what's so hard of uh, throwing jack johnson's name he he has been uh playing uh, i guess put air quotes around the word well recently Uh, he has been playing quite, quite well as of late. So uh, I guess now is as good a time as ever to try and ship that contract out. But uh, Jim, do you have anything else you want to add before we get out of here?
1: No, I think that's it. Um, I mean, I guess everyone will try to figure out how to, in our own individual ways, do what we can to reverse all this bad injury history. And maybe just maybe it'll work. And hopefully more importantly, that the players that are left can do a little better this week than they did last week and just stay in the chase and, you know, new podcast next Thursday and next Thursday will be one week closer to Crosby coming back. So let's just think about that. Think of the good things.
0: Always a glass half full kind of guy, aren't you hooks? But, uh, gotta be, you know, yeah, let's hope that this time next week, it's not the AHL, the Wilkes-Barre, Scranton Penguins against the, the, the Montreal Canadians or, or, uh, Arizona coyotes. But, uh, for Jim and or Hooks Orpik himself, I have been Garrett Bahanna. Thank you so much for listening to another edition of the Penzenberg podcast, and we will see you next week.